0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. I want to speak to you on a wholehearted thanksgiving from Psalm 138. This psalm is, is divided into three parts. Uh, in the first part, David's in trouble, uh, he, but he's singing about deliverance from his trouble that's verses one to three and then in verses four to six he turns to the nations to the kings of the nations and says you know what everyone ought to praise the lord because of there's no one like him and then in the last two verses verses seven and eight uh, he goes back to the present and he's in trouble again but he's conscious of god's care for him and so With that as kind of an overview, let's stand together and we'll read Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. We thank you, Lord, for this simple psalm of David, how that in trouble, he's still rejoicing in not only who you are, but in the deliverance that he knows that you're going to give to him. And frankly, Lord, I think many of us today uh, feel that um, life is, is full of trouble. It's been a very difficult year, and uh, things just um, are, are hard all, all around. But Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, and so as we uh, look at this psalm, I just ask that you'll fill our hearts with rejoicing and praise to you in Christ's name, Amen. Thank you very much. You know the Psalms are they're they're a treasure. As a matter of fact, uh, Charles Spurgeon called them the treasury of David. You remember that? I don't know if you're familiar with the multi-volume set on the Psalms that he has. He calls it the treasury, David. They they are a a treasury because they they provide a way for us to express every part of our Christian experience. Whatever we're going through, we can find words to express ourselves in the Psalms. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, Or have you ever noticed that? And surely this Psalm moves us to be more expressive of thanks to God and more wholehearted in our praise to him because of his deliverance to us. And and David, for his part, I want you to think about David. Now, David's praising God, and he could look back to the exodus of the children of Israel, right, and see that great deliverance. And then he could look at God's promises to him and see how that when he was anointed by Samuel, God promised some things to him, and he could see how that God had delivered him from trouble, And then he could also look back and see the promises to God, glorious as they were in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the glorious promises made to to David about his line going on forever. And when you hear David's praise, um, you hear a man who has a heart for God, don't you? Yet he's all in, all in for praise for God. But I want you to think about something. What he knows pales in comparison to the great deliverance that was accomplished through Christ on the cross, through his resurrection. Think about this. We live in a world after the advent. And so we look back to the incarnation of of our Lord Jesus Christ. We look back to his death and resurrection. And we look back to his ascension, and we live in the age of the reign of the Holy Spirit, and so we have experienced God's uh, real and greater deliverance, a clearer and, and more full revelation of who God is than David could ever imagine or ever even see. so knowing what God has done for me in, in Christ, I have to ask this question, am I going to let David out me? Yeah, you know, you know the answer to that. We can't let that happen, can we? And so this morning, I want to look, us to look at these three parts of the psalm and see how David wholeheartedly praised the Lord in, in his life. And the first thing is a wholehearted thanksgiving is because God, of God's love. and and truth, and answered prayer. Look at the opening. He says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. This is sincere worship. Praise comes from the bottom of a soul, and he's throwing everything into praise of God. And I I want you to notice a curious phrase right after that. He says, I'm wholehearted in my praise. And then he says, before the gods, I sing your praise. Now, what in the world does that mean? Did you read that this morning and think, what on earth is he saying when he says, before the gods I give you praise? Well, what is that word gods? That word is Elohim. You've heard of that word, right? Uh, it's oftentimes translated God, and it's a plural word. In Hebrew, every time you see I am, in the end, that's a plural. So seraphim is multiple seraphs. Elohim literally means multiple gods now we understand that when it's elohim for one god it's describing the three persons of the trinity right and so we understand that that um, uh, plural ending but that word elohim in the old testament can also refer to angels and spirits and judges so it's hard to tell exactly what he means but let me give you a couple thoughts to throw out here what does he mean when he says, before the gods, I praise you? One of the things that he could be saying is, look, there is no God like you. There's no other God. There's no God like you, Lord. That's that's one possibility. Another one is that it seems that David is on the run in these verses. Have you noticed that, verses 1 to 3? It seems like he's on the run. Look at In verse number three, he acknowledged the need for strength from the Lord. And there's an incident when David is on the run in 1 Samuel that seems to parallel this in 1 Samuel chapter 26. And so David's on the run. He's running for his life from King Saul. King Saul camps out overnight. And uh, he's in the middle of the camp. That way there's layers of defense for the king. Abner, his general, is right beside him. And David and his servant snuck into the camp while everybody was sleeping and could have killed him. But you remember what he did? He took his jar of water and his spear with him. He went to the next hill over, and then... He, he hollers and wakes everybody up and he calls out to Abner, Saul's general, and to Saul, and he says, "Hey guys, I want you to know that everybody is lying to you about me. They're saying I'm disloyal and that I want the throne and, and they're trying to drive me out of Israel." And he, And he says something curious in that dialogue at the very end of that dialogue in verse number 19 he says this, he says, They would drive me from my God, from the worship of my God, and they're even saying to me, in verse number 19, go serve other gods. And here's the idea. The idea is he serves the one true God, but that's not working out so well for him. He's on the run, he's in the wilderness, You know, he writes, as a deer pants for the water and and all these things. Life is not going so good. And so the last thing on his list of complaints to King Saul, he says, people are telling me to serve other gods. Basically, hey, worshiping God's not working out for your life. Why don't you worship at the altar of other gods? They may work for you. Does the world ever tell us that? It reminds me of Job's wife. You remember her? Curse God and die, because this worshiping God thing doesn't work. David lived in a world where all sorts of people served false gods, and it vexed his soul, and he's telling the Lord, I will praise your name above all false gods. I remember hearing one time, it it was a stunning story uh, a freshman at the master's college, she had a Muslim uncle who was beating her to death. And her father rescued her and got her out of that, it was in a Muslim country, got her out of the Muslim country. And John MacArthur was interviewing her. And he said, what were you thinking when you thought you were going to die as your uncle was beating you to death with the leg of a chair? And she said, I was thinking, this man has a religion that he would kill for, and I have a savior that I would die for. Now that, what she just did, she praised God before all the false gods. Kill me, that's fine. I'm not gonna worship Allah. I'm going to worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who gave his blood for me. That's worshiping God before all of the gods. And that was very expensive worship. And David, who's been right in that situation, is saying, I'm gonna praise you before all the other gods. So I have a question for you, believer. Can you say that the false gods of this, that the world offers to you vexes your soul? Do you say to the Lord, Lord, you are better than the false gods of sex? Everybody's around me is telling me that in order to experience satisfaction I ought to have, I ought to be able to take what is mine and enjoy it. Are you able to look at God and say, God, you're better than that false God? Or professionals, hearing the the siren call of the God of ambition and influence and power and reputation, are you able to say, I praise you, God, because you are, Oh God, are better than any ambition, any career, any any call that the world has for this kind of thing. God, you're better than anything the world can give or ascribe. I love you more than that. You're better than that. Or fill in the blank with a million other so-called gods, whatever they happen to be, false gods. Can you say to God, God, I praise you more than all the false gods. And there's nothing, there's no one in this world who can, who can give to me the way that you give to me, oh God. There's no one I enjoy more. There's no one I delight in more. There's no one I treasure more. There's no one who has the fullness that you have because that's absolutely true that if you're in Jesus Christ, there's none other That can satisfy. But notice what David did. He he just didn't keep his worship private. Look at verse number two. He said, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Now, what does he want to do there? He wants everyone to know that he's praising God. And so he goes to the temple that would actually be the tabernacle, in case you were wondering, and and offer thank offering to the Lord. Now think about this, when you've been meditating on the Lord and considering his great salvation and knowing Christ in a deeper way, you will desire to get together with other believers and praise his name. That is why I offered the, in the Friday email for those who read it, the, the playlist Meditating on God and how good He is, I couldn't wait to come in here and, and praise God with everyone else. Voices, I was uh, every, every Sunday morning, little secret, little thing I do. I sit in my office, I open that door and I open my office door. Hopefully that door's not still open. But uh, open my office door and I listen to them sing, and it's just, it's just a joy as I'm sitting there last minute before the Sunday starts listening to the worship team praise the Lord. I can't wait. Because I've been meditating on the Lord. In corporate worship, I want you to get this. Corporate worship is important. And here's why. It results in a mutual strengthening of the body of Christ. On any given Sunday, there are people who walk in here who have been meditating on the Lord, and they're just full of the Lord and they can't wait to worship God. And on any given Sunday, there are some who have had a rough week and they've been distracted and they're just panting and they come in here and the energy and the praise from everyone else singing lifts their spirits up and strengthens them and says, you know what? I can do this. With the Lord's help, I can make it through this week. And then there are other people who frankly, their hearts are getting cold. And they come in here and they hear the singing and they hear the praise and they hear the word of God and they walk out of here and they say, Lord, I repent of my coldness of heart. I want to worship you with all my heart. And so corporate worship is important. And I know the world is telling us, you know what? You shouldn't meet together. You should do everything through Zoom to keep you safe. Let me tell you something, folks. There's nothing less safe than a soul left to itself and not with all the other souls. We strengthen one another. We fire one another up. God made us this way. All the way from the, from the, the beginning of Israel's a nation through the book of Revelation, God's people are designed to worship together. And what was he thanking the Lord for? Well, if you look, he says this. He says, your steadfast love and your faithfulness God's showing his faithfulness to his promises to David to protect him from the attempts to kill him. And he says something interesting. Look at what he says. He says, for you, have exalt, or, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. If I were to call you up here and say, how is God's name exalted? Would you be able to answer that question? Kind of a hard one, isn't it? What does he mean when he says exalt in his name? To exalt God's name. God's name is his very nature. It's his essence. It's his revelation of himself. So for example, when when God says, I am love, when he says God is love, he's saying, That's my essence. When he says, I am holy, he's saying, my nature is holy. He's, he's giving different names. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, the patriarchs didn't know God by a whole bunch of different names. Did you know that? And so, very interesting passage. We, in the book of Exodus, when God tells Moses, I want you to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses asked him a question. You remember that question? Who am I going to say? What, what did God answer? Yahweh. I am that I am. I am who I am. This is a completely new name. And so he, he told Moses later on in, in Exodus chapter number six, he said, I am Yahweh. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. Very interesting, isn't it? What he told them is, I presented myself to your, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as El Shaddai, which means what? God Almighty. I showed them that I was God Almighty, but I did not show them that I am the deliverer the ever-existent one, the one who has always existed, the only, the one and only God. I did not show them that. I'm only showing that to you. And folks, he has revealed himself to us in a name that even David didn't know. You know what it is? Emmanuel, God with us, Think about that for just a minute. We know God in a way that David never knew God. Emmanuel, God with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us, he has given his Holy Spirit to us. So when he commissioned us to go out through the apostles, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, because my Holy Spirit I am with you always, even into the ends of the age. You have, and so David, he says, you have demonstrated to me in this deliverance in such a spectacular way that I have to praise you with my whole heart. And we need to praise him with our whole heart because he is with us. He's Emmanuel. He did deliver us. He is God Almighty, and we know that. And now he's with us, and he's here. We are a living temple full of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful privilege we have to know God in such a way. And that's exactly what's going on when you see verse number three. Look at verse number three. He says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. And so David had prayed a prayer, a desperate prayer, and in um, the in. In the answer to prayer, God had, in such a dramatic way, preserved David. And so David gave him praise. But there's something interesting about that. Look at it again. He says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. You know what? It seems, David seems to be saying, you didn't answer my prayer the way I expected you to, Lord. I expected you to deliver me out of my trouble. But instead of delivering me out of my trouble, what did you do? You strengthen me to go through my trouble. And isn't that what God does with us? David recognized that his strength of soul came from the Lord because there was nothing left in him and it was God's means of preserving him. And David, God's answer was, no, I'm not going to deliver you from it. I'm going to make you strong enough to make it through the trouble that you're in. God doesn't always answer our prayer as we pray them, but if he doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we pray them, he answers them in, listen, in a better way than we prayed them. You ever thought about that? God is so good, isn't he? You can be certain of that. Well, there's a second reason for thanksgiving, and that's in verses four to six. Wholehearted thanksgiving is for the Lord who stoops to care for the humble. Let's read these together. Verse four. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks for the Lord O Lord for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord for great is the glory of the Lord for though the Lord is high he regards the lowly but the haughty he knows from afar and so David calls the king of the earth to come observe the kings of the earth come observe how the Lord cares for the humble and indeed God does care for the humble, doesn't he? As I was thinking about this, my mind recalled Jesus' first public sermon that he preached. You remember the opening words of that sermon? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the Meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What are those words describing? Humility before the Lord, aren't they? They're describing a humble and contrite heart. Poverty of spirit is speaking about our knowledge of how bankrupt we are in sin, isn't it? Um. Humbly mourning over our sins allows for comfort. We mourn our sin. And so God comes in and he comforts us. And so what are we? We are blessed when we acknowledge the bankruptcy and undeservedness and our total dependence upon him for for salvation. And when you look at Jesus' ministry, he always had time to bless the humble and lowly, didn't he? Think about how many times in the Gospels you read about crowds around him, and yet he finds Zacchaeus. Remember that? Crowds around him, and he finds the woman with the issue of blood who just barely touched his garment. Crowds around him, and he hears the cry when people are telling him to shut up. He hears the cry of blind Bartimaeus. Crowds around him. And he hears the lepers crying for healing. These are people who understand that without Jesus, they have no hope. And how was he towards the Pharisees? What, what, what did the psalm say? You remember? But the haughty he knows from afar. There's only one Pharisee that he had a closer relationship with. You remember that guy's name? Came to him by night. Yeah, my mind went totally blank. (laughs) Nicodemus. There it is. All right. And this is a microcosm, by the way. Jesus' ministry is a earthly picture of what God does on a grand scale. Because the world is going to tell you, look at how vast the universe is. If there's a God that created this vast universe, do you actually think that he has time to listen to you? Wouldn't they tell you that? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes, because he listens to the humble and the lowly of heart, Listen to, this is a psalmist, he confesses this. Psalm 8, in verse number one. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set the glory, your glory above the heavens. And so, here's a psalmist, and he's saying, look at the expanse of the heavens. And then you go to uh, verse number three, and he says this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place... What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? It's almost like the psalmist knew 3,000 years ago that people are going to look at us today and say, you know what? The God that created all this, he doesn't have time for you. And he's, he's cutting that argument off right in the knees and saying, you know what? God, you do have time. You are great. You made this universe and you will pause and you will listen and And David says, because he's high and lifted up, he takes peculiar delight in the low and humble, lowly and humble. That is such a fascinating truth to me. I don't know if it is to you or not. Of all the people in the world, billions and billions of people in the world made in God's image, you could pray at any time, any place, and God hears your prayer. Prayer. Aren't we blessed? And then the third point that we see here is that wholehearted thanksgiving is for the Lord because he will preserve us and fulfill his purpose. Notice what he says in verses 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. O Lord, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And so here's David. He's God's anointed. And he was in trouble. In fact, he was in so much trouble that his life was in danger. You know what it says? You preserve my life. My life is in danger. He has multiple enemies and God preserved him. Why? Why did God preserve him? It's right here in the text. He preserved him because God will fulfill his purpose for him. Isn't that wonderful to know? God is glorified, listen, God is glorified in the preservation of his elect. Praise be to God. God, dear believer, has a purpose for your life. And he will preserve you in order to fulfill his purpose. Oh man, what a a privilege we have. Important commission that we have to glorify the one who made everything. That's our commission. And he desires his glory so much that he will preserve you and he will preserve me until our mission Is accomplished. How is it that He who is of purer eyes than to look at evil decided to save you from the miry clay? He set you free. You are His elect, and He has a specific mission for you to accomplish, and He will preserve you truly. The reasons to praise God are far too numerous for us to comprehend, aren't they? Those, listen people, those whose hands are drooping, be strengthened. Those who are caving in to fear, turn your eyes to the omnipotent one. Those who are being enticed by the gods of this world, sex and money and prestige and power, Turn to the God who's above all those gods. Those whose hearts are full of praise, sing to God. Let the words of this song be your heart's cry. Whatever may pass, and whatever lies before me, let me be singing till the evening comes. And remember, you're rich in mercy. Are rich in love and slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is king. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. I'll worship your holy name name we have so much to thank and praise and honor and glorify the lord for lord we thank you for the praise that we can give you deservedly for all that you have done we praise you for our deliverance from the miry clay of sin we praise you for your great power in moving all the nations and all the kings of the earth around so that your Savior could come to earth. We praise you, Lord, that you're the God above all the gods. And we praise you knowing that you hear the humble and lowly and you will preserve us until we have accomplished your purpose. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. Fill our hearts with your praise and glory in His name, Amen. Will you stand with me as we sing? Bless the or ten thousand reasons.